2: everybody. It's Thursday, September 8th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You will hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. If you're in the space live with us, apologies for the short delay in getting this show underway because I'm wearing many hats right now. Not only am I wearing... My patented Boston Red Sox hat, literally, but I'm also doing many things, running the website. So there's a lot going on, and I can only do so much. So apologies for starting about a minute late. But we're going to have some fun today. We're going to go for about an hour. A lot to talk about. We're on the eve of the eve of UFC 279, main event Hamza Shamayev versus Nate Diaz. The betting lines just continue to fluctuate, mostly on the Shamayev side that one's up to minus 1150 for Shamayev. So not a lot of faith for team Diaz right now. We had media day yesterday and of course Nate Diaz being Nate Diaz, the whole media day goes through swimmingly. Everybody's on time and then Nate Diaz being Nate Diaz, I believe he was close to 3 hours late <laughs> for his media day, but he showed up. Did his thing was very casual about everything and then he got up out of there him and the 25 to 30 dudes he was rolling with as nate typically does so a lot of interesting things were said throughout the media day so we could talk about that we could talk about everything you want to talk about all knots real quick moving forward and i posted this on twitter earlier which you can find at my tech underscore jr btl Moving forward for the foreseeable future will be a 1 p.m. Eastern start time, 10 a.m. Pacific time start time. That's the time. we were always going at 3 p.m. Eastern. We are moving that back. We're starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. We started last week. We made the internal decision that that is going to be the plan moving forward. So a little bit of an earlier debate start time. This week, Jed Bashu is back delivering the fiery hot takes that you would all expect. This week he's taking on a professional fighter, former UFC fighter, former Invicta fighter, BKFC fighter. She just had her pro boxing debut, a successful one at that. It's gonna be Jed Bashu versus Pearl Gonzalez this week. She's a very sharp mind in the space. She does color commentary for some different promotions, most notably Jorge Mazadal's icon FC. And I've talked to her a bunch over the years. She's just a very she's a very interesting and sharp take on the sport of mixed martial arts from a fighter's perspective, from an analyst's perspective. So and she can bring it too. So I think that'll be a fun matchup. 1 p.m. Eastern, talking UFC 279, UFC Paris, and all the other craziness going on this weekend. So that's at 1 p.m. Eastern. Th- this is now. Let's get into this thing. Tristan Gordette was in line immediately so we will kick things off with him tristan how are you Hello. doing mike how's mm-hmm. everything
3: how's everything going it's good All man right. that's great to hear um i have two questions here so i was listening to um there's a kevin holland and he's talking about yeah i'm gonna beat d i am going to beat I could beat this guy one hand in my behind my back um and and then he also said you know if i say the guy's tough then you know i would say it but it's going to be you know pure dominance. If I don't dominate here, I'm going to be very disappointed. And I'm, I'm I'm trying to give Kevin Howland benefit of the doubt because I'm like, well, you know, it's just Kevin Howland being Kevin Howland. But I'm like, I have to say to myself, and I think everybody on Twitter was saying it when I was reading the comments. is like Kevin Howland underestimating D-Rock because I'm just getting that feeling. I'm getting that vibe. He's underestimating him because People have forgot how good D-Rod is. I'm like, I didn't forget because I've watched him fight multiple times. So I just want – I want to know if you you think Kevin Holland's actually underestimating D-Rod. You know, that's my first question. My second question is with Tony Ferguson. If we see vintage Tony Ferguson at uh, 170 here, I mean – you know, beating if he goes out there and beats Lee Li Jiliang. Liang. I mean, because if you think about it, when he fought Michael Chandler, um, you know, he was winning that fight before he got knocked out. So, and, you know, I had to say, you know, Tony Ferguson will look pretty good. So if he gets to win against Lee Ji Liang, I mean, and we see vintage, vintage uh, Tony Ferguson out there, Do you you know, what what is your projection moving forward if he, if he gets to win against Lee Ji Liang? And it looks very impressive doing so. So those are my two questions, Mike. Thanks for everything. Have a heck of a morning. And talk to you soon.
2: All right. Thank you, Tristan. I'll address the first question. Uh, Kevin Holland, very confident as he typically is. I don't think he really overlooks fighters. I just think he's potentially just playing some mental warfare trying to possibly get under D-Rod's skin a little bit, possibly think that maybe he's not taking this as seriously or whatnot. I know Collins' has been training in Las Vegas at Extreme Couture. D-Rod trains at Syndicate, so maybe there's like a little thing going on there. I don't know. D-Rod's not really going to play into that stuff. Um, D-Rod had a media day. We didn't post that. And the reason why is because I spoke to D-Rod about a week ago, and that – interview is going to drop on youtube and on mma fighting i believe at 4 p.m eastern so you'll be able to check that out uh and he gives his thoughts on all of it i don't know man from a like i don't bet on mma but i understand i, I like to look at the betting lines to determine value and when i make like my my personal picks because we have like our own mma fighting topology group where we pick fights and we just kind of talk shit with each other about who's better at picking fights. The value from a betting perspective is all on D-Rod here. It's all on D-Rod. Kevin Holland's a minus 200 favorite. Daniel Rodriguez is a plus 170. I know D-Rod hasn't fought in a while, and I think a lot of this betting line and the way people are viewing this fight is, this is a recency-biased thing. Kevin's looked good at, at 170. He's got back-to-back finishes, and he did that in between the last time D-Rod fought. But D-Rod, like, if you go back and watch tape on D-Rod, he is real good. His boxing at a, in that welterweight division is is one of the – he is one of the best boxing skill sets in that entire division. That dude can box his ass off. And as, as dynamic of a striker as Kevin Holland is, I don't think Kevin wants to stand all that much of D-Rod because there's a there, – I know Kevin has a huge reach advantage. He uses his length really well. But D-Rod's not the tallest welterweight anyway. So a lot of the guys he fights, he's at a disadvantage in that sense anyways. Maybe not as much as he will be on Saturday. But a lot of people are like, oh, Kevin Holland, short notice. This is what he does. Same with D-Rod. Same with D-Rod. D-Rod was just as active as Kevin Holland was. During his run, I think he debuted that Tim Means fight was like February 2020, and he's had like eight fights in the UFC. The dude is super active, for sure. And when I talked to D. Rod in Las Vegas during International Fight Week, he he was cleared and he said, "I just want like give me a short notice fight. I'm ready. If it's next week, the week after, I don't care. Call me and I'll say yes." And that's exactly what happened here. It's nice that this one's at a catchweight at 180. I think D. Rod has a very good chance to win this fight. I don't think Kevin's going to wrestle all that much of them. D. Rod isn't the greatest defensive wrestler, but he's fine. But from a pure striking set standpoint, Holland's going to have to use his length really, really well here. I don't think there'll be a lot of shots taken. I don't think this fight's going to spend a lot of time on the mat. So if we're taught, so to me, this is a stand-up fight, and. It's a close fight. Certainly not what the betting odds suggest, in my opinion. I think this fight should be closer to, like, Holland minus 150. But you're giving me D-Rod a plus 170 against most guys in this division. I'm ta- I am would look at taking a flyer on that. So, I don't know if he's necessarily overlooking him. Kevin just likes to play mind games. Him and D-Rod have been sort of linked up for over two years now. I just think this is one of those fights that just has to happen. I think Kevin's going to be excited to just... Stop talking about D Rod and vice versa. I think D Rod's gonna be excited to have this fight on the resume and, and move on so people don't have to ask about Kevin Holland anymore. So there you go. And with the Ferguson thing, I don't know. And like, this is, this is one of the reasons why I thought this fight was so puzzling because I don't think, honestly, either guy gains a lot here. Like if Lee beats, Lee's a huge favorite. He's minus 305 to be Tony Ferguson. So a lot of people expect Lee to win this fight. I just don't know if he gains a whole lot from this because of Tony's recent fights, the beatings Tony's been taking in these last fights. And yeah, he looked good against Chandler in the first round, but he just got brutally knocked out like a little over three months ago. But it wasn't that long ago. May was not that long ago. The beating, he t- he got dominated by Benil. He got dominated by Oliveira. Justin Gaethje, that was just one of the more brutal beatings you'll ever see from start to finish. That was like one of those, because that was the empty arena fight. And that's just one of those, every time I go back and watch it, it's just it makes you cringe a little bit, the amount of punishment that guy took. So, And if Tony wins, like, I mean, if he just goes out there and blows the doors off of Lee and just, like, drops him quick and – jumps on him and submits him in, like, two minutes. Yeah, that'll be a huge thing for him. But, like, what does that do for him in this division? I don't know. I don't know. I think there are other ways you could go with this. I understand you needed Tony on this card to try to boost ticket sales or, or and pay-per-view buys because this card's been met with some moans and groans overall. But you add Tony Ferguson, you add Holland D-Rod, which is the best fight on the card, in my opinion. It makes it a little bit better, but... Still top to bottom. There's some interesting fights, but it's still kind of a tough hang for for 75 bucks, especially since three weeks ago, we just had a pay-per-view. And we had two in July. So we've had four pay-per-views in three months. You're asking fans of a lot here. And not only that, you're asking the people of Las Vegas who like to attend these cards to pony up a bunch of money again when they were just there two months ago. At T-Mobile. So, the last I checked, the ticket sales weren't doing that hot. But I also thought the same thing with the San Diego card. And somehow that ended up on the UFC sellout streak. I don't, I just don't, I don't think this like naturally sells out. I'd be stunned unless this press conference later on today just goes bananas. But, I don't know. You're asking a lot of fans. You definitely are. Let's go to Abswalia. They'll go to Four Corner Sports. What's up, man? Yes. I'm doing? good,
4: good. So um, I have two questions. I'll make the first one quick before I get second. The first one is um, thoughts on... The Sang-Yodong fight with uh, Corey uh, Sandhagen next week. Like, what's your thoughts on that, and how do you see that playing out? And what do you think will be next for either fighter, w- um, based on whoever wins? And my second question now is, is to do with this Saturday win with um, um battle with Hamza and Nate. Like, like for me, I'm I'm pre- um, predicting that Hamza will win the fight probably much earlier, based on how this whole pro- uh, press conference is going. So if he wins. And you know, I know we've discussed about this many times, but realistically, if he was probably to um, stay in walterweight what are two, who are the two fights that you can see that he could probably face next after he, if he potentially beats um, Nate Diaz this Saturday? That's all I have.
2: Thanks, man. Um, the fight is fights a great fight. I can't wait to see it. It's just it's a battle. I think the winner will probably be looking at a Rob Font, perhaps. Because I think the timelines will match up pretty well. Because this fight's happening end of September, October, November, December. Eh, maybe. You're waiting a little bit. Last I heard because I asked about this because I had heard during one of the On the Nose segments that someone hit up Ariel and said that they were told Rob Font versus Adrian Yanez was a done deal, which it's – um 100% not true. Uh, so I reached out to Font's team and I was told that the UFC not only has not presented them with anything at all but considering the last two fights that Rob had with Jose Aldo and Marlon Vera, Robbie fight until the first quarter of 2023. March is what they're looking at right now and that's the earliest time frame. So that could that could probably line up especially if, like, Sanhagen wins. Sanhagen-Font is a fight that I want to see. I think it would be really interesting. But Song Dong, Rob Font would make a lot of sense, too. So I think something in, in that realm. But again, you also have Piotr Jan and Sean O'Malley. So maybe the winner or loser, well, unless Sean O'Malley wins, we know where that's going. But maybe the loser of that fight. I mean, there's there's options. Bantamweight's fun. Who knows what's going to happen in the title fight? But Rob Font seems like a like a fun matchup. For either guy, I'd probably lean that more t- for Song, but Sandhagen fonts a fun fight, too. Both those guys are kind of far away from the belt at this point, considering everything happening at 135. But I'm excited to see that fight. That's going to be a banger. I don't know who's going to win. I'm probably leaning Sandhagen, but Song is real good, and he's real young, and he's only going to get better. So I if, I if I am buying stock in either guy, I'm buying the Song Yedong stock. Not saying that Corey Sandhagen can't pay off, but I know Song Yudong will. Might not pay off now, but it's definitely a futures investment because he's still super young. He's already been in there with some really good fighters. He's got some big fight experience already, and he's only going to get better. He's not even sniffing his athletic prime yet, which makes him a very scary guy. For Hamzat, I don't know. It seems like it's either the, if he's going to stay at welterweight. It's Colby or the title. I don't think the title is going to be in his future unless something happens. Let's just say like they have a date in London to book that trilogy fight. And for some reason, Usman can't make it with enough time. Let's just say like two months out and Hamzak gets the call and can travel over there without any issue. That's there. The suggestion I had was if Colby... I think Hamza Colby is the way to go, like a legit number one contender fight, even though Hamza really doesn't need it. But that's coming off of a win over Nate. A win over Colby would just make you indisputable as the guy that should be next fighting for the belt. So you could do that. Or, and Hamza's talked about this before, maybe just goes up to 185. If Adesanya beats Alex Pereira on November 12th, and Izzy wants that fight, the UFC would do it, but my other option was, and I mentioned this the other day, and I talked about it on to the next one. Hamza versus Robert Whittaker scratches me right where I itch. There's, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for everybody because if Whittaker wins that fight, he's the clear guy. Whether Adesanya is still the champion or not, he's the guy. You go out there and you beat Hamza Shamiya, you're the guy. You're fighting for the title. Doesn't matter who the champion is. Doesn't matter what happened in the past. Doesn't matter. That's a huge rub he would get. And if Shamayev wins that fight, he's the number one contender in two divisions. And then we can have some real fun. We have some real fun with the situation. So I like that idea as well. But to me, I think he probably stays at 170. I think Colby would take that fight. And that would be a really interesting matchup. So that's how I would do it. But who knows? Who knows how things are going to play out? It's a crazy sport. It's hard to predict that far down in the future.
0: Support so for this show comes from Sylvan Learning.
2: Good, how are you? I just wanted to um, ask you about, um, so
1: I know that Poirier and Chandler got announced last night, but um, how close were they to, to booking it for December? Because I know there was talks about having it in December. Was the, was it ever close at all or not? And when was the last time that Poirier ever fought in a three-round fight? Just because I feel like he's been fighting in consecutively in five rounds. And does this benefit Poirier or does it benefit Chandler that it's a three-round fight? And uh, lastly, is there any news as for what time that Abu Dhabi card might start? Only reason I'm asking is just because I'm um, I mean, in, a, in, a, in a dilemma. I'm hoping it's later at night, but if if it's during the day, it's really gonna suck. Cause I might have to miss on that Abu Dhabi card for for my alma mater. All right, thanks, Mike, and have a good one.
2: Thanks, man. Um... So, as of now, according to the UFC website, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they're saying 2 p.m. Eastern. So, I assume that'll be the main card, which means we're going to have 11 a.m. prelims, which either way is fine. They do 2 p.m. prelims and a 5 p.m. main card. I'm fine with that. If they do 11 a.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Eastern, even better. Uh, But that is going to be an afternoon card. Uh, That'll be on local time over in Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, unfortunately, you are gonna might have to miss out for your alma mater. Sorry, man. Hate to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, Chandler Poirier. Was it close to December? I don't know. Like I said many times before, that was the holdup in whether on the, like, full-on announcement of the fight because Chandler wanted December. He wanted a little extra time. Warrior was adamant about MSG, but one of the the crucial things about putting this fight together, which we reported, I think Brett Akamoto when he announced it as well, reported the same thing. Michael Chandler signed a new deal. So I think, I don't think Chandler was like holding out for more money or anything, but I think this was kind of the tipping point where it was like, all right, let's just get this done. What is it going to take? And UFC probably just offered Chandler a new deal with some more money. And Chandler like, well, I got a family to worry about and a wife and two kids to take care of. you going to give me some extra money? Yeah, I'll fight a month earlier. Why the hell not? Uh, yeah, but December was definitely in play. I know that's what Chandler wanted and his team wanted. I'm not saying anything that hasn't already been reported or I haven't talked about 5,000 times before that, but – That was the plan, and Poirier always wanted MSG. Neither seemed to really be budging, and Chandler got a new deal. So, good for him. Good for him. Everybody's happy. Three-rounder. Very cool. When was the last time Poirier was in a three-round fight? Was it the first Eddie Alvarez fight? Must be. UFC 211, Eddie Alvarez, the illegal knee, the no contest in Dallas, May of 2017. That was the last time Poirier was in a three-round fight. Everything else has been a five-rounder. Pettis, Gaethje, the rematch with Eddie, Holloway, Habib, Hooker, McGregor, McGregor, all were (sighs) five-rounders. Who does it favor? I don't know, man. I don't think it favors either guy. Probably Poirier, if I had to guess. Poirier could just go all out for three rounds. He tends to get tired like in the third, anyways, even in the five round fight. So I would say it probably favors Poirier a little more, but Chandler's just a freak athlete. I don't think he's gonna slow down. I mean Justin Gage beat the shit out of that guy for fifteen minutes and he didn't he slowed down a little bit because he just took a beating. But energy wise he was there. So yeah. I would say Poria though, know. but that fight's gonna be great. There's gonna be some heat on that one, which I'm very excited about. Let's go to Average Avenues Eleven. What's up, buddy? Yeah, I got you. Good.
4: I've got uh, I've got a question and and a comment. My question is because um, I've been trying to rack my brain about this. What exactly is Tony Ferguson fighting for? Like, realistically, he sh- does he actually believe he has, like, a chance to fight for the title at 170? And um, my comment is, this might sound a bit corny, but I don't care. I've been a sports fan all my life, right? And with sports, you have your chance from the fans. And one of my favourites has become the Diaz chant. It's short, but it's simple, It's a, but it's effective. And I'm just, i imploring everyone in this space, when they hear it this week, to just take it in because it might be the last time we hear it in an MMA setup or an UFC setup. All right. Cheers, mate. Have a good day.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, the the Nate thing is – who knows what's going to happen with that. That's what makes this fight so intriguing is we don't know what the future is going to hold for either guy. Nate gains – Nate can gain a lot from this, or he can just gain nothing and still be just fine. Like, we throw out, it's kind of cliche now, but we throw out when th- fighters are massive underdogs that this is a quote-unquote house money scenario. It's a, this is a de- the definition of a house money scenario for Nate. Yeah, he might take a beating. Yeah, he might lose. Yeah, he might get run over. But at the end of the day, Nate still gets what he wants. He gets to leave the UFC And go explore whatever the hell he wants. Now, I don't, like, I don't think his, I don't think his, his buzz or his value drops at all. Unless, like, Shamayev just, like, flicked him in the face and he collapses and falls and it's just, like, weird. Unless Nate's just, like, doing it as a work. And then still his stock rises. But if he goes out there and just gets tackled and gets his face beaten in in the first round, like, He's just going to go on his merry way. He's going to flip the double birds. He's going to walk away. And we'll remember that. And Nate will go off and fight Jake Paul or do whatever he's going to do and be just fine. Shamaya, he's kind of like in the complete opposite scenario where I don't, like, I don't know if, how much his stock rises with this win. Everyone is expecting him to go in there and just run Nate over. And even if he does it, like, what is that going to do? It doesn't do much, so it's it's all really interesting. I'm I'm very curious to see where Nate goes, and if Nate Diaz friggin' wins, oh my god, that is a post-fight show that I cannot wait to be a part of. I don't think it's going to happen, but holy crap, would that be something for the Tony thing? I have no idea. I have no idea what this man is fighting for. Again, I don't see really why this fight was put together. Because if Lee wins, Lee is expected to win. It's just a nice name to have on the resume. But even like Shamaya Diaz, like, usually you you put guys in these scenarios that can really get the rub from fighting a guy like Nate and fighting a guy like Tony Ferguson. And I don't feel like Lee's going to get that rub. I just don't. All we're going to be talking about, win or lose, is Ferguson. I don't think Lee's going to get the credit for the win. It's just going to be either Ferguson's back, baby. What a performance or, ah, oh, poor Tony. Why was he even fighting? And Lee just kind of doesn't get the credit for it. And if Tony wins like that, it's a bottom. I mean, Lee's a good fighter and he's just a delight. Always smiling, always excited, always positive. But what's he, the number 14 welterweight at that point? Like, who are you going to put him in there with? I don't know. You're not going to put him in there with, Bilal Muhammad or somebody like that. I don't think. I mean, what are we gonna what do we do now? Wonder Boy just do fun fights? Are we trying to get him on a title run? I I just I don't know. It's just such a weird booking. I understand why why Tony's fighting because you have to put him on the card and he's got to fight somebody. And Lee said yes, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is he's fighting for. Probably just wants to get some of that bad taste out of his mouth, but. What I don't want to see is us living in a world where and I'm not saying this is the case. I'm not saying this at all because I am a I love Tony Ferguson. Good dude. I think we have the same birthday. Good guy. I remember it was a long time ago the last time I interviewed Tony Ferguson. My kid was was a, was a ba- was maybe 1 and his kid was a was was a baby right around the same age. Our kids were born right around the same time. And I remember wrapping up the interview and he just sent me this like really cool quote, this really cool like dad quote. And I like thought that was just the coolest thing ever. But yeah, I just don't want to feel like Tony is that guy. And we've seen this in MMA so many times where Tony just kind of acts like the guy who doesn't un- realize that his time is up. Like everybody sees it, but he doesn't and he just keeps going. I just don't want to see that for him. But I don't know. I, I still don't understand the booking of the fight. All right. Let's go to Viking MMA. I'm going to try to get to everybody today. We'll go to Viking and then we'll go to we'll go to Raphael next. Viking, what's up? The
5: fighting.com. <laughs> I love that. Okay, Mike. So... Let me ask you the same question I was asking before. Just tell me, Mike, how much a fighter get paid if he gets into that quote unquote money fight or McGregor or Ned Diaz fight? Because I just want to know the actual figure, 1 million, 2 million, 100 million. What is, why every fighter is, you know, excited about this money fight? And give me the figure or at least give me the give or take Amount, and the other thing I want to ask you about that I was listening someone to I was listening to someone on YouTube actually, and that guy was a UFC fighter. I think he still has a skin in the UFC. I don't know. Mm, he must be an official or something in UFC. I just have to dig about that. But that guy was saying. That Nate Diaz has made over 500 to to close to a billion dollar for UFC by fighting for them, is that true? And the one more thing, uh, I just <laughs> want to say about A.K. Lee. I mean, A.K. Lee couldn't see the image of uh, Sean Strickland's fingers photo. <laughs> I mean, I love A.K. But he's my brother. But he is too delicate man (laughs) he couldn't see that (laughs) finger come on thanks mike and send him my love he's my brother thank you mike
2: thanks man yes ak ak doesn't like to dive into the cringy stuff the the stuff that makes your your stomach turn uh and god bless him for that it's totally fine i wish i had answers to either of those two questions, but I really don't. Like, I I mean, one, I could certainly say, I don't know who said that Nate's made close to a billion dollars fighting for the UFC, but that is just not true at all. Uh, I think if Nate made close to a billion dollars fighting for the UFC, we probably wouldn't be in the situation we're in right now. So I would say whoever said that is full of you-know-what. Money fight? Money generating? I don't know, man. Like, it's... you, You get... The problem is you don't get – with most states, you don't get disclosed pay. Like, you don't get them in Vegas. You used to be able to get them in in a bunch of them, but now you only get them maybe in Arizona, California. Uh, You got them in Utah, but our own Steve Morocco, I mean, he literally spent like two weeks trying to get these figures from Utah and finally got them. And what they disclose is not the actual amount. Like, for me – when Connor fights, and I don't know this at all. I'm sure if he fought like in California or Arizona and they disclosed his pay, it'd probably be in like the $2 million range would be my guess. But you know he's making a lot more on top of that because that doesn't put in pay-per-view points. I'm sure a guy like McGregor gets a piece of the gate and, and other things behind the scenes is probably discretionary bonuses and things like that that you see in sports all the time. So I wish I knew But it's in the millions for sure. I bet Connor makes all said and done ten to fifteen million every time he fights in the UFC, which is a lot of money to me and you and everybody else. But even like at at this point in Connor's career, with the star he has been, with what he has done for this company that sold for four point two billion dollars in twenty sixteen, it's worth a lot more than that now. Even that is not enough. For a guy like Connor, And I know a lot of fighters out there would love to sniff somewhere even in the vicinity of that money, but they ain't. And Connor should be even, should be getting more than that. So yeah, I don't know like actual figures because you just, they're just not out there. They're just not out there for you to find. And it's hard to get any figures at all. It's very difficult because they're disclosed or undisclosed. They won't allow them released to the public. Now, Oftentimes you'll see on social media, there'll be these accounts that just throw out little graphs with figures on them, but they're not true. They're not true. And we try to warn you of that. Uh, if you don't see it from us, then they didn't disclose them. And it's from a state that you can't. And Florida used to disclose them, but they don't anymore, which kind of bums me out. Cause I asked for them after one of the Eagle FC cards and they were like, Nope, not giving them to you. So I wish I had a better answer, but. The answer is it should be more. All right, let's go to speaking of. I think speaking of Connor, I don't know if that's Connor. I can't see. My eyes are sucky. Maybe that's Michael Chandler. Let's go to Soldier.
6: Hello, Soldier. Hello. Um, um I, I just um I want to make a comment about something you said before. Um, you said sure. uh, Justin Gaethje um, was beating Michael Chandler for fifteen minutes. Yeah, I think Gaethje won the fight, but. I think the first round was clearly Michael Chandler's, and I think he won that round kind of handily. Like, he was hitting Gagey with some very good shots, wobbled him a couple of times, and I just disagree with that comment. But I think um, the Dustin Porter fight, he uh, Dustin Porter is a bad matchup for Michael, but if he tries to strike in the first round and wrestles in the second, he can um, scrap a 29.8 decision because Dustin is probably going to win the third round. But I'm not really sure. How How do you see that fight playing out? Which fight? I'm sorry. Um, I was trying to do 10 things. Yeah, on. Michael Chandler versus Dustin Porter. How do you see that going? Oh, okay. Cool.
2: All right. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, listen. So sometimes, Sometimes I get on here. You're all my friends. I sit here. I feel like I'm sitting at a bar stool and I just say things. So if I say, like, Justin Gaethje beat the shit out of Michael Chandler 15 minutes, this is not a Michael Chandler sucked at fighting that night. This is a just he took a beating that night. Uh, yeah, and some some people saw the first round for Chandler. Others didn't. One judge scored a 30-27 for Gaethje. I'm looking at MMA decisions right now. Everybody scored it for Gaethje. Uh, I see some four 30-26s in there. I see three 30-27s in there. So, but again, even in that first round he while he had success. And by the way, I picked Michael I was the only one to pick Michael Chandler in that fight. I went on the people's pre-fight show right before that event and I said Michael Chandler is going to knock him out in the first round and he almost did. I thought he was going to do it and everyone thought I was crazy just because I just didn't think Michael Chandler is getting any credit in that fight whatsoever. Uh, but it was a good fight. He took a beating in that fight. It was a fun scrap. Like to me, that one That one got MMA fighting's fight of the year. I didn't, personally, to me, I didn't think it was the fight of the year. I thought Yuri Prohashka, Dominic Reyes was the fight of the year. Because it was a back and forth crazy fest from start to finish. Not saying that Gaethje Chandler wasn't crazy, because it was, but that third round wasn't, I mean, it was fine. Chandler had his moments walking forward. He's a mess, trying to get in Gaethje's face. But, both guys are just zapped at that point. So the third round wasn't all that compelling because both guys and rightfully so, just zapped. But Chandler Poirier, man, it's such a it's such a close fight, honestly, because Chandler's such a wild he's just such a wild card. He's such a wild card. Like Poirier is a very smart fighter most of the time, but there are certain times where he makes mistakes. And he made him in the Olivera fight. He made him in the Habib fight. He's made them in other fights as well. But Chandler, if we're we're talking skill for skill, I would pick Chandler to win that fight. If if this is Bellator Michael Chandler fighting UFC Dustin Poirier, I'm picking Michael Chandler to win. But Michael Chandler is not Bellator Michael Chandler anymore. He is UFC Michael Chandler. And UFC Michael Chandler is a completely different dude who cares – Equally as much, if not more, about entertaining the fans and putting on crazy-ass fights than even winning in certain points. And hats off to the man. So I just don't know. He's back at MSG, the same site of the Gaethje fight. Is he just going to go in there and chuck hands with Dustin Poirier? Maybe. Is he going to go in there and try to wrestle Dustin Poirier? Maybe. And if he does that, he's got a very good chance to win. But if he wants to sit there and chuck hands with Dustin who's a huge lightweight could be a recipe for disaster, but Chandler has shown to be quite durable at times as well, but he's also been caught in a lot of his UFC fights, not the Dan Hooker one, but the other ones after that he's been caught in every single one of them. So it's, it's a good fight. It's tough to pick right now just because Chandler's such a wild card and I can't, it's so hard to kind of pinpoint what he's going to do. And to me, being back at MSG, fighting a guy like Poirier, a guy he clearly doesn't like, and vice versa, I could just see him going in there, chucking mitts at Poirier, and, which is totally fine with me. and I'm sure it's fine with everybody else too, but if he goes in there and tries to wrestle and tries to take Poirier down and try to tire him out a little bit, he's got a good chance to win, but I just don't know if we're going to see that. All right, let's keep on rolling here. we got like 25 more minutes, perhaps. Tokolo.
7: I have a few things. First of all, thank you to the greatest website in the world, MMA Fighting, for actually getting the pay, uh, pays yeah. out for uh, Salt Lake City. Um, because that got me to thinking, what interest would Paulo Costa even have in coming, coming back at all? Because he got 65-65, and it was four fights ago that he was in a uh, title eliminator with Joel Romero. Like, what are we doing? It's, it seems so crazy to me that he could be the face of PFL. He could be the face of Bellator's uh, light heavyweight division. Like this is crazy to me. So first of all, I want to, you speak a little bit on Polo Costa and him, even coming back to UFC, which seems uh, seems like it would be the stupidest decision ever because he's not going to suddenly get 250-250. And the second thing with Daniel Rodriguez, because I really like Daniel Rodriguez. He's really, really good and just fun to watch. Um, and But if he loses to Kevin Holland, it places him in a weird spot when where he loses in his first fight back in over a year, right? And how far does he then fall? I know, I know that Kevin Holland is really good and that shouldn't be a deflation of your stock, but his stock has already fallen since he hasn't fought in that long. So is this a situation where we could see him? Okay, let's get him back on track and revenge his loss from uh, 2020 and loss in quotation marks, because I know three judges say that Dolby won that fight, but I'm saying this as a Danish guy, by the way, Dolby did not win that fight. We all know that. Um, but is, is that as uh, the state where he could uh, – is that where he could go with a loss, just go back and avenge his quote-unquote loss to Dolby? W- where do you see Daniel Rodriguez going if he loses to Kevin Holland?
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, the Paul Costa thing's really interesting. Unfortunately, he's kind of in in a tough spot because he still does have a fight left on his deal. So he's kind of stuck on that contract. And you have to think about it also from, like, the UFC's perspective. He obviously delivered in the Luke Rockhold fight. That fight was bananas. He made weight. But it wasn't all that long ago that we had the shenanigans with Marvin Vittori. And that left a bad taste in the promotion's mouth. And it should. And it should. So I didn't... Like, there's just no world where the UFC was going to hurry up and get him locked into a new deal or anything like that. Just not going to happen. He's probably going to have to fight one more. I know if, Costa, if Costa's smart, he should probably just not even re sign a deal, even if they offer him like 125, 125. If I'm Paul Acosta, if I'm a lot of these guys right now who are far away from a title shot or, or things of that nature, I'm just fighting out these deals. Go in there, bet on yourself. You win, you're a highly touted free agent. If you lose, you're probably still a highly touted free agent because you don't have to fight at 185. You can fight at 205 for Bellator, fight at 205 for PFL. And as soon as that last fight is done, the second PFL or anybody else can contact Paul Acosta, you get his ass on the phone and you get a deal done and get him him in your organization. Deal with the shenanigans. UFC doesn't need to deal with the shenanigans. Bellator could use some shenanigans. PFL could use some different kinds of shenanigans. Bellator as well. I mean, BKFC could throw some money his way. I mean, there's there's so many avenues he could go. If I'm him, I ain't signing an extension or a new deal at all. F that. The other point, I mean, it's and yeah. So with the payouts and and all that, the D Rod thing. Yes, I agree with you. I thought he won the Dolby fight. I actually thought he won his regional fight that he lost a split decision on as well. The man should be undefeated in MMA. But the thing about D-Rod that people liked about him and while he lost to Kevin Holland sets him back on the pursuit of fighting for a world title sooner rather than later, D-Rod is an active, active dude. Yeah, he had to sit out for a year, but that's because he had a hand surgery. It didn't take. Then he had a second one. That didn't take. And then he had a third one, and that one's fine, and now he can come back. So it was kind of a weird scenario because when I talked to him after the Kevin Lee fight, he was thinking December January. After he had the first surgery, he was like, all right, I'm already like almost ready to go. And then the surgery didn't take, and he had to get two more, and that's what's kept him out for all this time. But he is a guy who fights like every month or two, and he's a super active guy, and that's what got him people on – That's what got him on people's radars to begin with is because every time you turned on a freaking fight night card, D-Rod was fighting somebody. So while a loss to Holland hurts, if he can stay healthy and he can stay on kind of the same trajectory or somewhere close to what he was before where he was fighting often and getting wins, I don't think it'll be that long until he's back in that conversation. So a loss sets him back, but I don't think it kills him. I think Dalby would be too big of a step back at this point, even though he would like to avenge that one but in his eyes he won that fight and he's kind of already moved past that and feeling like he won it so yeah that's what i would say i don't think it
8: sets him back too far get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th
2: All right, Mikey, uh, try again. Kayfay, we've been, you've been waiting patiently. Crypto, you've also wait, uh, hit it We'll get to everybody, I promise. Kayfay, hello.
7: Yo, what's up, Mike? Uh, Caught me off guard. I'm actually driving. Uh, just want to say heck of a morning and happy birthday to AK. Excited for the fights this week.
2: All right, thank you. Like the positivity. Well done. All right, I have to do it. The hot tag, let's go to Ahead. There's no mute button on this page, Ahead. How are you?
8: Oh yeah. We can hear you. All uh, right, good, Mike, because I have to tell you, it is not a heck of a morning today, unfortunately. <sighs> and I'll tell you why. Like I mean, Toke stole my, stole my point uh, unintentionally because um, I saw those figures, and I knew everyone's going to cry again about fight a pay. And Toke brought it up. It's like, if you don't want to be here, leave it's their company it's their freaking company like they can set what they want that's what happens when you set up your own company like you take in most of the rewards okay and the thing about like media and fans is uh, that's crazy to me is that in this game and and most sports but especially here everyone is two-faced you know when fighters win three in a row everyone wants to be their best friend and we love them and when they lose three in the row we say oh they're washed up they're this they're that and i'm like thinking like so we're all two-faced to an extent so why is everyone trying to act all virtuous and self-righteous and trying to make dana the scapegoat so they can feel better about themselves in their little moral high chair it's ridiculous but Paolo, if, they, if he wants to leave, leave. Like, as in, I agree with Tok, leave, go to PFL, make that million dollars, make that money. But it's it's more than that. It's like Usman. People are, oh, how dare the pound for pound get uh, uh, half a million or a million, whatever. And I'm thinking like this, right? when it's the three african kings when izzy had came out and said oh i disagree with how the ufc was treating ghanu they could have all come together mike they could have all come together when they were all champions they all had leverage a ton of it they could have done something but they didn't and this leads me on to my next point nate diaz's espn interview he called out Usman and a bunch of these other dudes for the well-behaved little like uh little sucker ups that they are right they don't want us st- they're all in it for themselves they're fake and they want to just try and be the perfect champion and Nate like Nate's ESPN interview highlighted he's not rebellious he just wanted autonomy he stood up for himself and that's a good thing but the other part of the media is that um Like Nate, uh, he's giving off pre-UFC 266 Nick Diaz vibes. He's like, he doesn't care and all that stuff. Um, uh, So thoughts on that. And lastly, Darren Till, Duplessis, UFC 282, December. I've got Darren Till via pullout, probably some sort of knee injury. And then Michael (laughs) Bisping is probably going to go and say, guys, guys, don't worry. Darren Till is going to become the champion. That's all I've got for you today, Mike. Drop the mic, Mike. Thanks, buddy.
2: Yeah, I I will defend Toke for a moment. I don't. I mean, I I know like kind of what I said, like when when I said like Justin Gaethje beat the shit out of Michael Chandler, I meant it as just like we're all friends talking. I don't think Toke was like complaining about fighter pay. He was just looking at Paul Costa in his state where he's at right now and why he shouldn't resign with the UFC as he has the opportunity. So I wouldn't call that quote unquote crying or anything like that. Um, I know a lot of people complain about fighter pay and stuff like that. Again, with the Usman thing, like I was saying when Viking MMA asked the question about payouts, Usman made more than 500,000 people. He made more than 500,000 bucks. He got pay per view points. He got probably a cut of the gate. He got other money behind the scenes. He made much more than 500,000. He probably made a few milli, which isn't enough if we're being honest. But again, the fighters could have done something about this years ago, and they didn't. So this is the, the this is this place that we live right now, okay? This is the sport. This is where we're at. And that's why competition is good, right? It's happened in pro wrestling. It's happening again in pro wrestling, where you have multiple competing companies that have money, that can spend money a little wildly if they want to, and the fighters have options now, which is a good thing. And the fighters have a bunch now because one is spending money like crazy because, like I've said before, if one signed Roberto Soldic, they're paying him a lot of money, a lot of money. You got BKFC. They're paying out a lot of money for different things. You got Bellator. You got PFL. They're paying out money like crazy. So there there might be like a little bit of a shift in certain ways, but the fighters have options now. They can fight out their deals and then go see what they're worth elsewhere. Shane Burgos, great spot. Coming off of the win. Crazy fight with Charles Jourdain. Knew where he was at in the UFC. Got a life-changing offer from PFL. And he took it. Competition is good. Competition is good. So, instead of talking about UFC fighter pay, we should be talking about these different options for the fighters. Because now they have them. And... The opportunities are going to grow. PFL, I think, is going to be real aggressive moving forward, and they should be. Go after these names that create headlines but may not be fighting for titles in the UFC. Go after the Paulo Costas, the Shane Burgos, all these fun fighters, heavyweights especially. Go after all of them. Pay them. Gives them options. And then if, if it's all about money for the fighters, which I think money has to, is certainly a factor for everybody, they have other places they can go, which is cool. I like that. I like that. And then they interviewed the SBN. I mean, I didn't really take too much from it, honestly. I didn't take too much from his media day scrum. It's was very indifferent about the whole situation. The, the thing that struck me the most, because I had people like DMing me, saying like, see, you said that Nate wanted this fight and then he told Brett Okamoto that he didn't want the fight. It's a little contradictory, if we're being honest, because when we confirmed this fight and we reached out to Nate's people about it, Nate's people said, well, let's just clear this up. The fights, We didn't essentially, quote unquote, agree to the fight. We've been asking for the fight since April. That's what his team said. That was their... That was their public reply to the fight. Was that we asked for this fight, and then Nate does the interview with ESPN and says, "I didn't ask for it. I still didn't ask for it. I didn't want it then. I still don't want it now." This is just Nate being Nate. It's just Nate being Nate, and that's what makes us. And that's what makes this fight even more intriguing. Like there's a difference between intriguing and exciting. Like I wouldn't say I'm excited to watch this fight. I am certainly intrigued by what could happen, and I think Nate just kind of playing that he's feeding into all the intrigue for the potential storylines that could happen because there are people out there who feel like nature's going to go in there and tap the mat and walk out and flip the UFC, the birds and just leave without a punch being thrown. So, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't even know if there's like legal ramifications for that happening. It would be the funniest frigging thing I've ever seen if he did do that. But I mean, it just adds to the intrigue. There's intrigue and there's excitement. Intrigue far outweighs the excitement when it comes down to this. So I didn't think much of the Nate interview. I don't – Nate – all of Nate interviews are very similar. He plants seeds in different ways. He comes off like he's one way, but he's really another. Nate's just a smart dude. Doesn't get enough credit for his savvy. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the press conference should be real interesting today, and that's if Nate even shows up. Or maybe he'll show up two hours late. Who the hell knows? All right, we'll take a few more. Mikey, what's up, buddy? I got you now. Awesome, yep. Perfect.
4: Morning, everyone. Morning, Mikey. Uh, are you you here in Vegas for this week? I'll be at the Wayans tomorrow. I'll be at the weigh-ins tomorrow, so maybe I'll I'll see you. Uh,
2: I am not in Vegas. Ah. Uh,
4: I wish I was, but I. not. Nah, okay. Maybe uh, December. I'll see you or something, huh? But anyways, point well being. Um, I-, I looked over the card again, and man, this this card. We keep talking about the the main fights as we should, but like. The more you look at it, yeah. Oh, people can talk about how underwhelming the card is, but just from a, a, a diehard perspective, this this card has a lot of possibility of just stupid fun. I mean, the card has Chris Barnett and Johnny Walker and Talaba on the same card. That's just gonna be stupid fun. I'm like, I can't believe, I just, I just, I just realized like Chris Barnett and Johnny Walker are on the same card, and then the three women's fights. I'm um, Danielle Wolf is finally going to fight in the ufc officially after two years and she's pushing 40 so that'll be interesting she's facing norma dumont and of course macy and irena aldaya that might determine the next contender at bantamweight or even featherweight for that matter so i think you know mma fans talk about like oh the ufc doesn't promote enough. like you guys also don't talk enough about the fights you claim to want to talk about and that's for nate diaz guess what guys even your favorite fighters lie of course he's going to say one thing in the media because why would he give up leverage? Why would he admit to something just to give up leverage? You know what I'm saying? Anyways, always much love to you guys. See you around timeline.
2: Thanks buddy. Yeah. I mean, you, you named some names there and look, Johnny Walker has had his moments No doubt about it. But since the Corey Anderson fight, there hasn't really been a lot of excitement behind Johnny Walker. His fights have not been all that thrilling, if we're being honest. I mean, he got colded by Jamal Hill, but Jamal Hill can make anybody exciting. And I guess if we're trying to make Johnny Walker exciting Johnny Walker again, Iwan Kutalaba could be the guy to bring that out of him. But Iwan has... Become kind of a smarter fighter himself. He's still a little chaotic, but we're seeing, we've been seeing like D1 Iwan Kutulaba lately. So when this fight was announced, everyone's like, oh my God, these two are just gonna stand there and trade bombs at each other until somebody falls. I don't know if that's how this fight's gonna go. Like this fight could this is one of those fights that could be really fun or could be really bad. I don't think there's really an in-between here. I don't think we're gonna be coming out and be like, yeah, that was a pretty good fight. We're either gonna be like, holy shit. That fight was insane. We're going to be like, oh, man, this was just not as fun as I thought it was going to be. That has all the makings of that. I do like the Aldana Chieson fight. There are some stakes there. Hakeem Duwada, Julian DeRosa is just going to be a fun scrap. Jelton Almeida is just an absolute stud. Chris Barnett's on the carb. He's fighting Jake Collier. Who knows how that's going to go. The Norma Dumont-Daniel Wolf fight, just, boy, oh, boy. I just don't see how Norma just doesn't crush her. I, I I just don't know. I didn't really. And I'm not trying to like disrespect Danielle Wolf or anything like that, but like I didn't understand why she got a contract. I didn't like a lot of people felt like she didn't even beat Tanisha Tennant on the contender series. Her striking wasn't that great. She was being outstruck in that fight. Her boxing credentials, she's got gold glove experience, but she's got an amateur background but her, her boxing record wasn't all that great and she's got one pro MMA fight it's been 2 years since we've seen her fight now maybe in those 2 years she has developed into something else but i just i just don't see a world where norma dubot loses this fight i just i just don't i think norma is just going to like smush her on the ground and submit her I don't think this fight's gonna last very long. It's not all that appealing to me. But I don't know. Listen, there's things to like, and then there's some things that make you scratch your head a little bit. And I'm trying to I'm trying to be very positive with this card, but we also have to be realistic with some of these some of these cards in this lineup as well. Like there's gonna be fun fights, but people are spending $75 for the main card. And the main card's not bad. It's not bad. I mean the top three fights are great. I don't know, we'll see what happens. This is gonna be one of those this could be one of those cards where it's like, see, you never judge a book by its cover, but there we are. This can be some things that are good and some things that are probably not so good. All right, let's go to Jiro. Jiro or Jiro, are you there? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Um Sure. sure.
7: Yeah, I had a couple of questions real quick. Um, what do you think is next for Ricky Simone? Do you think he gets that Edgar fight he's been wanting? Or do we see him fighting someone else higher in the ranking? I think he definitely showed that he can. And um, what do you think would be next for uh, Jalen Turner? I think that's another exciting uh, guy we can see in the future. And uh, lastly, what are your thoughts and, like, what do you think are the chances of uh, John Jones actually returning in December in Las Vegas against Steep or whoever they put up against him?
2: Thanks, man. Um, Let's see, Ricky Simone... I mean, if they give him the Frankie fight, I'm okay with that. That one's fine. If they want to do Pedro Munoz, I'd be fine with that. That would work. Something like that I think is fine. I wouldn't put him against, like, Umar namaga or anybody like that. I think that win over Jack Shore has put him in a position where he should get a name. And he deserves that. I mean, if Jose Aldo wants to keep going... Ricky Simon Jose Aldo isn't isn't that bad of an option because all those officially out of the title hunts as far as I'm concerned which sucks to say out loud but that's where we're at right now. So Yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at with him. I forget the other matchmaking question. I apologize. Um, the John Jones thing, I don't know. I just feel like at this point if you're John You just wait for Francis. I think you have to wait and see what Francis does. I talked to Eric Nixick. They're saying February or March looks realistic. December, not realistic. So if you're going to trot John out there, why not just wait two or three months and you just get the fight you want anyways? We all want, the UFC wants it. Francis wants it. The teams want it. Everybody wants it. They want John versus Francis. And if you can wait two months to get John versus Francis, just wait two friggin' months to get John versus Francis. But again, we have to wait and see what Francis does. Now, if Francis decides in December, like, I'm not resigning, then you strip him of the belts. you just let him go on his merry way, and then you can do John versus Stipe for the undisputed title January or February. I just don't think John's going to get booked in December. And if he gets booked... I will if if John gets booked in December to fight Stipe, to me and I have no insight into this whatsoever, but if they book that fight for an interim belt or whatever, that's the title fight cuz that tells me that the UFC feels like they ain't getting Francis back. Because you just it's 2 months. It's 2 months. You should just wait if you're going to do that. So, I don't know, we'll see. But I would say at least in with no insight whatsoever. I would say probably not. But who knows? It all depends on Francis. All right, we'll go to swap, be and crypto, and then I gotta go. Swap, are you there? Good morning.
6: Uh, but Tony had that brutal knockout right on Sheen, out cold. And that was so much damage, man. But I don't think he's recovered from that knockout. I mean, um what's the hurry to get into this um uh, into that fight money or uh, or some or other or some other things? Why is fighting in this short amount of time at this age? Um like Li Jiang has a power in his face. So so do you think accepting this is not a good for Tony health wise and If he's fighting for money, then UFC is not behaving with the fighters in a good manner. Thanks, Mike.
2: Thank you, Swap. Yeah, I think, listen, I think a lot of people have the same concerns as you have when this fight was booked. I mean, money has to do something with it. I'm sure the UFC is paying Tony a little bit more to jump in on short notice. But Tony's, Tony's a competitor. He's a gamer. and The dude just wants to get out there and fight. So... To get him on the card someone had to step up here's Lee Li Jing Liang who's gonna do it now another side of this coin that I think is kind of interesting let me just pull this up real quick um, Tony could be banking on the because look as as you would expect a guy like Lee like Li Jing Liang to say Lee Li Jing Liang was like wow like his his reaction to all this is like oh my gosh I'm fighting Tony Ferguson this is so cool. Like, how could I ever say no to this opportunity? And damn it, that's how you should handle it. But maybe, just maybe, Tony's banking on the fact that Lee Li Jing Liang might be a little starstruck in there. Might be a little starstruck. Maybe the moment becomes a little too much for him. Because we have seen what has happened when you throw Lee Li- Li Jing Liang in some of these matchups. Fought Neil Magni, he lost. The Hamza Shamaya fight, he got bulldozed. And that maybe that, who knows, maybe the moment was too much and some I've just grabbed a hold of him. Maybe it's just Hamzat's night. Maybe he just wasn't prepared for it. I don't know. But those kinds of fights, some of those bigger names, those guys up in the rankings, Lee has not done very well against. I mean, he beats Zaleski good win. Ponzinibbio is a good win, but Ponzinibbio is also out for a really long time. Salakoff win was nice, but Salakoff wasn't really, like, setting the world on fire at the time. I'm going to be really interested to see how Lee handles this whole situation. Is this going to be, it's all business. I get to go out there and take care of this guy I have a ton of respect for. Or is he going to look across the octagon and be like, wow, that's, that's El Kukui. That's Tony Ferguson. I don't know. That's what makes this fight somewhat interesting to me. But if Lee can kind of keep all that out of the conversation and just fight, I just... Boy, it's, I think it's just going to be a tough night for Tony, man. But we'll see. This is why they fight. Maybe Tony at 170, maybe not having to cut that extra weight makes Tony even more durable. I don't know. I don't know. It's a puzzling matchup, but I will say this. I'm hoping to be proven wrong, and these two dudes just get out there and get after it and have a just an all-out great fight. And nobody gets hurt and anything like that. But we'll see. Cryptocurrency, take us home, my man. Hello? Yes, I can.
9: Comment on this. I mean, this fight does nothing for no one. I mean, this this whole Tony Ferguson, Jing Liang fight is just ridiculous. If, he, if Jing Liang wins, I mean, does it do anything for him in the ranking? Absolutely not. I mean, it does not give him a greater fight in the future. It's, it's just a ridiculous fight. And let's say Tony wins. Let's say he does actually win. Where do we go with Tony? Nowhere. There's nowhere to go with Tony. It is an absolutely strange matchup. I think we all know what's happening here. Um, And and please also, Mike, I mean, remember that these suspensions and these medical checkups, they are a joke. They are an absolute joke. I mean, if you you look at some of the suspensions, look at, for example, Dominic Cruz. He got a seven-day mandatory suspension. And then on top of that, there were some other suspensions, but when you read into it, you actually realize that those are up to interpretation. So it depends on if you get clearance from a doctor and, and a bunch of other things. So, I mean, this is this is all just stupid. I mean, yesterday, Tony celebrated the four-month anniversary of becoming a highlight reel. Four month. I mean, his consciousness got sent all the way back to the end of the universe b- before returning back to Earth. So, I mean, this is just strange. I think it's irresponsible, no matter what happens. It's, it's, it's really just sad because Tony is at a level right now where he should be fighting interesting fighters, fun fighters, uh, basically enjoying the fruits of his career and not being thrown in there with Jin Liang. And then, then what? And also, Mike, I mean, you, you lift weights and, and you know this. It does take a lot of time to gain quality weight. It takes time. And then you need to get used to that weight. I mean, that's a completely different story. You need to be able to utilize that uh, weight gain uh, inside the octagon, which also takes a bunch of time. So this is just all strange, but yeah, I I don't know, Mike. I want your take on that. But And and also just lastly, if Nate goes in there and just taps out and flips off Dana, I would be willing to pay $200 for that pay-per-view. I would love to see that. I would pay $200 to see the facial expression of Dana when Nate just tacks out, flips him off, takes the mic, and basically just to spice things up, because Dana thinks that it's an awesome idea that uh, Nate is starting his own promotion. He just basically says, for everyone that has bought this pay-per-view, the first pay-per-view on Fight Inc. will be for free for all of the people that paid for this card and just drops the mic and just walks out of there like a freaking boss that would be amazing 200 bucks i promise you mike I- i'm willing to pay that if i'm no if i know that that is going to happen thank you
2: thanks buddy i mean geez louise that would be uh like i said that would be just the most diaz thing that could possibly happen there's a great round table if you guys want to look it up um on mafighting.com talking about UFC 279, some of the storylines. And one of the questions I was asked was, what is the most Nate Diaz thing that could happen at UFC 279? And there were two options. One was exactly that. Nate just goes in there, taps the mat, flips the bird and walks out, or the other side of the coin, whoever's in his corner, maybe his brother just throws him the towel, and he does the same thing and storms out. But the other thing was, what if Nate just goes – full conor mcgregor takes a beating in the first round comes out in the second and just strangles shamaev into submission like can you i just can't even imagine what that would look like and the fallout of that like it just depends man like if nate wants to show up and be a tremendous fighter he can he's shown it before we've seen it we saw it in the in we saw it in, against Cerrone. We saw it against Michael Johnson. We saw it against Conor McGregor. We saw it against Anthony Pettis. Like, the dude can show up and if, if he feels like it's all on the line, he has to be at his best and he really, truly is into it. The guy can scrap, man. It just all depends on his demeanor and what he wants to get out of this. Is he going to go in there just, like, completely indifferent? I don't care what happens. I'm just going on my merry way as soon as it's all said and done. Perhaps. But again, I think Nate is smart enough to know that this is a house money fight for him. If he loses, so what? Everyone expects him to lose. Look at the freaking betting line. He's a plus 750 underdog. Everyone is expecting him to lose. Even Nate has said um, on a few occasions, planting those seeds. Beat me. Take my spot. Take me out. Get your name off of me. Go right ahead. But did you see what he also did? During that media day yesterday, you know what he did? He planted seeds for Jake Paul. He planted seeds for Anderson Silva because he was asked about that. He was asked about a potential fight with Jake Paul. Anyone know what he said? Nothing bad about either guy. Put over Anderson being a legend. And he put over Jake Paul as a young, hungry whippersnapper who's trying his best to be a boxer. He didn't say anything bad about Jake Paul because Nate Diaz is smart. Nate is a smart guy. Nate coming out and saying, Jake Paul sucks at fighting. He's terrible at boxing. What does that do for him? It might get him the fight, but what if he loses? Then you lost to a suck bag. Like, that's just bad business. That's just bad business. That's why when pro wrestling was at its peak, you never heard the bad guy wrestler or the bad guy manager say anything. Like, they would probably make fun of the way they look or something, but they never said, like, Oh, this guy's a a terrible wrestler. He's a terrible competitor. He's easy money. Because then if he lost, like, oh, yeah, you just lost to the easiest money guy in, in, in the promotion or whatever. Nate's smart. Nate's smart. He's doing everything right. He goes out and gets run over. His stock remains the same. If he goes out and wins, his stock is already through the roof. It is at another stratosphere. And if Nate just lands, like, one punch that has Shemayev going backwards and he points at him, his stock goes up. Worst case scenario, he goes out there and gets trucked. His stock remains the same. And he could still leave that building, flipping the middle birds, doing a post-fight press conference, talking to Joe Rogan, saying a bunch of things that will be headlines for articles on every major website covering the sport. And even if he gets run over and says funny things, he's still going to get some shine. Because that's how Nate is. Nate has set himself up that way. Nate is a smart guy. He puts himself in this position that no matter what happens, he can find a way to make it work in his favor. And he's great at that. There might be there might I don't think there's anybody better in the sport than than Nate Diaz when it comes from that. Because Nate is not the greatest fighter of all time. He's been in some fun fights. We love how real he is. But he still gets over every time. Leon Edwards dominated him, except for 24 minutes and then he landed that right hand had leon hurt and everyone's like in the streets bro nate beat his ass nate won the fight in pride rules that's just the magic of nate diaz so it's house money all house money for him and i think our hearts are going to be racing a little bit would both those guys make the walk on saturday just wondering what is going to happen Is what's going to happen what we think is going to happen? Is might just going to tackle him, beat him, and finish him? Can Nate pull off the big upset again? Can Nate have a moment? Is Nate just going to tap the bat and say, F you, UFC, I'm out of here? There's a chance all of those things are in play. All right, I have to get out of here. BTL, 1 p.m. Eastern. We're back at it. Good matchup. Should be fun. We'll be live on the YouTube channel, so check that out. Tomorrow, by the way, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I'll say it now. We're going to go earlier tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, because we have a very busy day. I want to make sure we get a full show in, get to as many callers as possible tomorrow. And I see Salam and Daniel. If you guys jump on tomorrow, we'll get you up there as quick as possible. Um, but we're going to go at 9 a.m. Eastern because we have the, the weigh-ins for UFC 279. Jose is in Las Vegas. He's on site. Even myself. Prince of Positivity, A.K. Lee, Casey, we'll have live weigh-ins. We'll have our show answering questions during lag times, stuff like that. That's going on at noon Eastern, so I want to make sure we get everything in in enough time. I don't want to shortchange you, so we're going to go a little bit earlier tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern, uh, for heck of a morning. But until then, everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you at 1 p.m. Eastern for BTL. I am Mike Heck. Have a great rest of the day, and as always, have a heck of a morning.